0: All right. Uh, so, a few words from our Rosh One
1: literally
0: one. You can have all forty-five minutes. It's okay with me, Rishol. I talk enough in this place. So uh, Eder, please. Just,
1: just uh, in view of the seam. I think it's just a. You'll, you'll help me with the name of this coach, but Bill Belichick. What's his name? It's no, what's I, I don't know.
0: I'm not. A, a, you're out of the world. I, one second. I am very
1: into the world, just not the world of football. <laughs> What's his name? Belichick. Belichick. Be- Belichick. So they asked him. Uh, he's apparently won a lot of a lot of. Uh, <laughs> I, I would I would increase increase the humor by 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 misstating the Super Bowl. But in any case, he's won a lot of Super Bowls. He's a very successful coach. So they asked him, um, what what is what is his new goal? What's like what is he looking forward to now? What's he going to work on? And he said, well. Today, I'd like to have a good workout. I'd like to have a good practice today. And I think that's such an amazing thing, particularly in, in light of what the DAF requires. Because if you keep your eye, if you're constantly thinking only about the seven and a half years and about the two and a half thousand blot, so it's a, it's an overwhelming task. But if, if you're, if your reaction, the way, and I think the people who finish the DAF and make the CM, the way that they do it is, they're not looking at that big pic- picture the whole time. Most of the time, just like, okay, well, when am I going to do the DAF today? And I think it's a, a great lesson and a, and, a, and a great testimony to the people who are able to do it, that uh, to be very present and... You know, when am I doing the DOP today? That's really the way to look at it, so.
0: As somebody's, uh, you know, this is my third time around. This time I'm doing your Shalley and Bob Lee, and actually I'm to doing two DOP journeys, one at um, 6.30 in the morning and one at 7.15 at night. So I do say get through that day. Get through that day. Bel- Belichick appreciates it that uh, we're on to Cincinnati, so to speak. So you appreciate that. That's Belichick's statement. I just want to go to the next game. I don't want to talk about any big issues. Um, we're used to people leaving we, we are online so I, I'm going to try to get this posted as soon as possible I want to talk about you know the, the Dafiyomi, um is incredible but uh, Howard pointed out to me that, that, that 17 years ago I, I gave a whole uh, recording talking about other options than Dafiomi. and the truth was 17 years ago when I was doing daffyomi I was doing Dafyomi uh four hours a day as part of the um, the Shas Kelo that we had to do. The reason why we were doing Dafiomi was because <coughs> the, um, the the people in Chicago felt, uh, I don't know if I always uh, answered the call, that there needed to be uh, the eggheads to call in when there were Dafim that were too hard for the regular Maggid Sheer. So we, since we spent at least four hours every single day learning a Harusah, we were always on call. I remember I did Rosh Hashanah and Yud I remember I had to come in over there. Uh, we were always on call to have to give the hardest often. Um, but I still really, you know, I, it was, it was not clear to me that, that this was the ultimate best for everyone. And, um, there were other options. I think that, Something which might be an alternative, but it also might be, in a way, an incredible way to learn Daf as well, is to contrast Yerushalmi to the Bavli. Um, Yerushalmi is the is the sister that doesn't get the uh, attention uh, that the beautiful other one does, um, and I think for most of us, it's something out there, it's esoteric. What, what's this whole Yerushalmi about? Um, I guess the first thing, and again, I want to get us on, I need Mark to help me, though, to get me on, yeah, to get me on to the, uh, to get us on to the, the big screen. Um, first of all, as, as, as if you if you know anything about the Rishonim, just, just get me on there, I'll stand up for this. If you know anything about the Rishonim, you know that they didn't refer to this Talmud, this smaller one, they didn't refer to it as Talmud Yershalmi. Mm-hmm which means the Jerusalem Talmud from Yerushalayim. Actually, during the period that most of the rabbis that were working on this Talmud lived, Yerushalayim was not a place that you could even live as a Jew. It was a place that had become sort of like a, um, it was very difficult the Romans had, 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 had thrashed, thrashed it over, they didn't really want to have Jewish life there at all it was actually developed in, 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 in a place, that, you know in Sipori, which in English they translate as Saffiris and things like that, um, it was more to the north of Israel, so in fact the Rishonim do not even refer to the Yershalvi as Yershalvi they refer to it as Marova they refer to it as it's Talmud of though Those Jews to the west Those Jews who are in Eretz Yisrael And really the more the better way to say it is It's the Eretz Yisrael Talmud It's not the Yershalmi Talmud And I think part of what happened was Since Yerushalayim is so chaviv to us Even though it was never authored in Yerushalayim And developed in Yerushalayim We sort of give it the name Yerushalayim as well But it's really about It's really about of course Eretz Yisrael And part of what's happening here is Eretz Yisrael versus Bobo. Now, some of you will say that, you know what the difference is? If you look in the Talmud Babli, it's mostly Babylonian names. And if you look in the Talmud Yershalmi, it's mostly names of Amaroyim who lived in Eretz Yisrael. But that's not exactly, it's not true at all. You actually have the same names... In many of the same places. There are unique names, and if when you do your Shalmi, you'll realize their are names that are just going to, that'll hit you. Where did that name even come from? So it's not so much that these, it's about the Israeli people versus the outside of Israel people. The differences are, are a lot more stark and, and subtle than that. Um, just in terms of, of sheer length, uh, as Rabbi Skeist uh, referred before, and as David has done, uh, many, many times We're talking about 2,711 pages Versus Depending on how you print the page Which is another Don't get me started on that um, How you print pages Deciding how many But it's it's probably about A third uh, 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 It's probably only a third Of the Bavli There's 39 Mesechtas In Talmud Yerushalmi And 37 in Bavli So there's more Mesechtas In Yerushalmi that are explained, but with a lot less space. So your shalmi is actually shorter. And what does that mean? Um, it's also, those of you who are in Shkolem know, it's actually more cryptic. It's shorter, and the phrases as you are open to much greater interpretation The bavli. Bavli is, in other words, the amaroim or true amaroim from the word Omar. They're long-winded. They speak, they describe, they talk, they interrupt each other, and then you know the tangents go incredibly from one place all the way across the world and back again. That's part of what makes Talmud Babi sometimes so, uh, daunting is that, why are we talking about this? What does this have to do with anything that we were doing before? And as teachers, we always know, we always have to keep your eye on the ball. Where is the bouncing ball going? Why are we even talking about this? Yashalmi doesn't suffer from that. Yashalmi actually, the discussions are much more direct and to the point. And what was, what has been discovered by many, really, in a sense, if, if, more deep and, and meaningful, Sometimes, as we know, less is more. Uh, a, a, a pithy, short statement many times has much more to it than a long-winded explanation, and that's part of what what Shami is about. Now, let, 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 let's talk about a certain case in particular. You know, I'm going to take one case in particular, and I'm, I'm going to start with the riff on this. So, let's see. Am I am I in my uh, am I there? Great. So, I think the board is working, and and, I, and again. Howard and everybody, we love having this room, and I know that it's named after, well, who's it named after again? And I, and, and I understand that he would be happy with what we're doing in this room as well. I understand that this is the type of stuff that you'd be happy with, and I, I, I thank all my people who helped me with the technology and having the smart board uh, is, 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 is great. Um, so I just want to show you one thing here. Um, this is from uh, one of the most interesting American Jewish rabbis of all time. Uh, you could tell Yehuda Grunwald, who was um, a rabbi in Columbus, Ohio, but that's before he had been in Satmer and all these other places in Hungary. And eventually he ends up in Columbus. Those of you that know Columbus know about Rabbi Stavsky Shul. maybe you've heard about it. He was a rabbi for about 50 years. So he was the rabbi in Columbus, Ohio. Yekutliel um, Yehudel Grunwald and it's interesting that even though he had a typical Hungarian you know sort of like Uberländer, Semachsidish upbringing he came to Columbus and he had a lot of time on his hand as rabbi I mean, um, and one of the things he decided to do was to learn all the Yerushalmis. he said you know I've done Babli in Hungary, now I'm going to do all the Yerushalmis." he had plenty of time as an American rabbi and he actually went through all the Yerushalmis and compared them and he wrote a number of books about the Yerushalmi. this is one of them um. So he he quotes a riff, and I, this is what I want to start with today, if you don't mind. Um, here's the sugya. We know who the riff was the riff is the one who wrote the halachas uh, p'sukos from Shas, and based on the the riff in Erevin deals with the sugya of can you make noise by banging Shmuel? Well, you'd appreciate this banging drums and stuff like this on Shabbos. Are you allowed? Just using percussional type of activity is that considered a malacha the rabbanan of mashmiyakol? Right, chazal were afraid that if you actually make music and, and, and stuff like that, that you're actually going to build instruments, right? It's, and, and you'll you'll con- concur with me, Rav Shavu, that it doesn't take much because once you start getting into a beat and stuff like that, you're going to try to do other things to even. Make the instrument sound even greater. So, Chazal, just like when it comes to medicine, have an iser of Dvarim Hamashmiyim Kol. So, the Gemara says in Erevin, Rabbah, says that it's only if the Kol actually, like, it's only if you're trying to actually beat something out. It's only if you're actually doing the banging because you're trying to create some sort of musical. Uh, sense of it. You're trying to actually have uh, a t- oh, like a song that you're trying to create out of it. But if you just want to knock on the door, or if you just want to bang on something, that's even though people hear it, that's not called the isser of Hashemah's call. So the Rift was ready to pask in that way. Are, that, that, you're allowed to do that. But he says, Chazin, and everybody can see on the board here, the Chazin, and the Mitzvah, the Svir Luhu, uh, ku'ula. Some hold like ula. Now, ula, of course, was a traveler from Eretz Yisrael to Boville, and he was surprised that the people in Boville were actually, many, R- Rabbanim were allowing this type of banging and knocking on Shabbos. The riff said some people possibly look like ula based on the Yershalmi. Because it says there in the Yershalmi in Beitza, and again, you see he calls it the B'nai Marava, Belozer, Kol Mashmiya Kol Asur Doesn't make a difference. I don't care why you're doing it. You can't use your hand to make a percussion sound on Shabbos. It says, Rabbi Lo, it's our besidra. Rabbi Lo was late one Friday evening. He got caught up by learning in the Beis Madrash. Solok he came home to his house, the Yishalmi says, everybody was asleep. So, He's, he's 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 locked outside. So what did he do? Domich altara. He climbed. And this old rabbi climbed up on a ladder on, a, on, a, on, a, on, a, on to get up to get into the house. And he said the reason when they asked him about it, they said begin the way makish He wasn't worried about gezolshena. I didn't want to start knocking. I didn't want to go danta I didn't want to do that on Shabbos. I didn't want to do my knock. I don't. It's also for me to do that. And in fact, the Gemara says that Rav Yirmiya, who's always a troublemaker from Bavel, came to er, he, he, he came to Eretz Yisroel and he started knocking on uh, to wake people up. So Rav Abba said to him, "You Machavul who, Shabbos. Who allowed you to do this? Man shari machal." So the Yoshaumi seems to based, seems to back up what their representative in Babli said. We know that it's us here. Again, it's all part of this Xaire against making noise like this on Shabbos. So the riff says Anonvosphere <laughs> Lunhochi. We don't hold like that But First of all, even the Gemara Diwan our Gemara has a very great genius telling us. That it's muter lo <laughs> yichpat l'on b'mayid asiri b'gemara de b'nei marova. I don't care about what it says in the Gemara of the Bnei Marova. Dal Gemara Dilon samchinon. We are our Gemara is the one we work with. De baserahu, and it's the later one. Ve'inu wabi b'kia b'gemara de b'nei marova tvei minon. Now this 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 uh, phrase is very interesting because it sounds like the Bnei Bavel knew what the Bnei Yisrael were doing. In other words, the Bnei Ertzisro were working. Mm-hmm. Now, again, without getting into this whole question about did they write the Gemara down or was it all r- memorized by all these savant geniuses? And that's another question. Again, the Rambam says things were being written down like normal human beings, but there was definitely being worked on. There was a. Uh, there was a. a, 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 a there was stuff being worked on in Bavel and Eretz Yisrael. The Riff is saying the Bnei Bavel knew what they were writing better than we know. The high member the They must have known about this story about the man who wouldn't wake up his family and had to climb up dangerously to get into his house. They must have known about Rav saying the <coughs> Machal and still, they allowed it. So they might not quote it, but they knew about it. And therefore, the Riff says that you can assume, and that's what the Riff seems to be saying, that the B'nai Eretzim Bavel saw what was in the Yershalmi and rejected it. Otherwise, they would have included it. And therefore, the Riff and many others that follow him and so <coughs> say that we don't necessarily view the Yishalmi as being able to push the Bavli uh and Halacha. Now, This riff is very famous because the riff was a very famous sefer. Searching in the Geniza and other places, they found over the last 150 and 200 years statements that are a lot even stronger than that. There's been statements that have said from the, uh, not surprisingly, the Gaonim. Now, you have to realize the Gaonim, nobody told the Gaonim they were the Gaonim. Uh, In other words, we would always say you can't argue with a Rishon. You can't argue with, that's a Rishon. Who are you? Well, ask the Maral. The Maral had no problem arguing with Rishon, right? Even the Shagasari, in many ways, didn't have a problem. The rest of us sort of have a sense of, well, certain periods are over. You can't go beyond that. Um, the Gemara is really built on that, as we know. Even Rav, who was very close to the period of the tanoim, is constantly asked against by Bryces and Mishnais. Hey, Rav was part of putting those Mishnayasin together. You know, can't Rav argue? And sometimes the Gemara says Rav decided to argue. But 80% of the time, Rav is in the firing line, even though he was one of the people that helped to work on the period, what we call the Mishnaias and the, the Bryson's Tanoim, Because you've got to know your space. You've got to know where you're about. You can't argue. You can't, right? You, you can't argue. You're in a different era. So the Rambam actually says that once Uh, after the time of Ravashi the era is changed once the Gomorrah was over what we call the work of the Rabbonim and Savroy and the Gaonim that's on a much lower level and the Rambam says it really isn't even uh, it's not definitive and it's not authoritative and, and in fact People don't realize this, but both the Rambam and the Rif's work were extremely revolutionary because they basically ignored the Gaonim when they wanted to. They basically say, "You know what? It's the Gemara. This is where this is where it begins and ends. I don't care what was written the last couple of hundred years." the Rambam actually says even further, we mentioned this a couple weeks ago that his father's Rebbe, who was the Rimigash remember we talked about that is much bigger than any of the gaonim, right? in other words, I'm telling you and the Rambam says, you know how I know this? because my father left me his notes from class, and when I read those things, I've never read anything as deep as that, and the Goonim I've seen what they've written, this man is way beyond, and of course this is all counter to the whole idea of Masora in some ways, alright the point though is is that the geonim themselves saw themselves as continuing Talmud Bavli. They actually felt that they were they lived sort of in the same place. Again, the yeshivas moved a little bit, sometimes it was five fifty, sometimes it was five twenty, sometimes <laughs> it was sometimes it was it was here in Baghdad, there in Baghdad. It was in different places, but it's still the same. Sura, Pumpadisa were still here. Anyway, the point was is they they felt that they were the continuous unbroken tradition. And that's why they write. When people ask them, "What about this Yerushalmi?" They said, "Look, we're running the show here. Yerushalmi," he says, "if it can explain something in the Bavli, the and write, fine. But it does. But it's, it's it can't do anything more than that. In other words, there was an attitude. The riff, at least, had was open enough to say the Yerushalmi is an alternative way of looking at." the ideas that the Talmud Bavli is analyzing, <coughs> that the people in the Bavli knew about and rejected in many places. The, the Gaonim actually said it even in a sharper way. They said the Yishalmi is basically a work that we don't even have to worry about. And it's, it, it really represents something, it sounds like it was unfinished, something that really never came to fruition and that what we have is the real tradition and is correct. Now, if you can use the Yershalmi to help explain something, as long as it doesn't go against our interpretations, we're fine with it as some a nice Shmua. So in other words, Yershalmi is like a good Rishon to them. It it doesn't even represent anything, because... Remember, the Go'onim had one thing on their mind, which is Bavli, man. Everything's about the Bavli. Everything is about spreading the Bavli. They had to spread it, as remember, to Europe. They had to spread it to these places where Jewish communities were just starting, and there was no internet, there was no printing press, so they were trying to push. They didn't want to confuse things with the Yerushalmi. Oh, there's two things. Okay, there's this one, there's that one. Maybe you want the short... No, give me one thing, all right? Don't give me the two choices. You're pressing this one. This is the one you have to go with. Again, this is my reading into it, but I think there's a lot of truth to it as well. There's actually more stuff that we found in the Geniza. Now, again, the problem with the stuff that we found in the gnieza is that, again, who was there a forensic person watching to make sure nobody was altering any of it? Right, because obviously uh, the stuff is brand. Oh, we found something that was hundreds of years old. Here, I'm going to publish it. Can I see the manuscript to make sure you didn't change anything? Was it peer-reviewed? So there was material that came out in the late 19th century and said the following, that um, there was a a karoi called Solomon, who was a Karite. Of course, the Karites, not getting into too much uh, length about who they were, the Karites were a very strong group of Jews in that time. Now, the Karaites, in many ways, even the Rambam, when he came to Fustat in Egypt, found himself going to rabbi meetings with the local Kerite rabbi, because they were very, very strong. together. Yeah, there was Karaites, Rabbonim. Again, yeah, the Rambam, using his diplomacy and his closeness to the uh, sultan, was able to basically almost push out and eliminate the Karait influence. But when the Rambam first came to Egypt, when he was 30 years old, the Karaites were... Mm, yeah, right, you know, we, and they, they had a lot of strong points that they had constantly made which is they know Mikra much better than we do they know the Psukim, they know Diktuk these Talmudists, these, they don't know anything so one of these Karaites who was, again remember they only believe in basically what we call Teresh Aksav, saw that there was uh, writings of this Egypt, former Egyptian man who was living in, 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 in Iraq Sadia Gon. He called him the Piyomi, the Fiomi, because that was where he was from, the city in Egypt. And he had wanted to travel to Pumpadisa, travel to Baghdad, to travel to Iraq, and um, prove him wrong. And he brought, according to the, this, this fragment, he brought a piece of Yershalmi with him to show Sadia that Sadia was wrong and that Sadia had interpreted something against the Yerushalmi, and he even brought a commentary from one of, a name that we don't even know of Rabbi Yaakov Ben Afrayim, of, of, from to show Sadia that Sadia was incorrect so this piece was discovered in the late 19th century and it became like the biggest hit on, on Twitter, it was incredible well, you see what it's about? this is maybe where the real Torah is and we have again from again I don't have anything against them because they're they're real scholars, but an inordinate amount of work on the Rishali from people that we would say are sort of like left wingers to the extreme. wrong, the beginning of the century, in fact, that's part of the reason why uh, the rabbonim wanted to make yeshivas because JTS was so the idea of of, of a of a of a seminary where people become rabbonim was very strong. <laughs> um, Breslau, the head of the Breslau yeshiva was Zachariah Frankel. And Zachariah Frankel had written, Frankel's, he had, uh, what, how much to do every day. So I'm actually using Frankel. I'm not using his bigger so much, but I'm using his, uh, his book about figuring Sure's out, Surah Sadaf. I'm using Frankel's Surah Sadaf. But anyway, the point is, is that Frankel, uh, loved this Geniza fragment about, about the Gonim not knowing ATS. Uh, and there were a number of them. Again, obviously the biggest one was Scho Lieberman. I think Scholl Lieberman you have to say, and again, I, I don't like, I don't like ranking, but I, he's one of my favorites. And there's no way that there was anybody who was even close to Scholl Lieberman. And again, you'll find out who he is. But there was also Yitzchak Ginsberg who had learned and tells. And the work that he kept on telling everybody he's working on, his magnum opus, he was the, again, he was, again, you can see pictures of him. I can show you a picture of him, which, again, he was, you know, a person, um, of, 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 of great scholarship. His work on the Yershaomi, that's what he's gonna do. In other words, Frankel, Ginsburg, basically the, 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 the people that we say that are out of our thing, Yershaomi was always what they were interested in. And to them, the Yershaomi, is the real answers. That the Bavli and the Talmudists and the Mephalpalim and the Mekubalim and everything that developed that the Gaonim spawned, which is the whole European obsession and love affair with Talmud Bavli and the Pilp of Rashin Taisas, it could all be solved by... Getting back to the Yerushalmi, the Yerushalmi could be have the real answers of where you know the, the Talmudic way of looking, and it became they became in love with it, and, and they they wrote all about it. And part of it was, hey, you guys don't even know that Yerushalmi, right? In other words, part of it was you have a Talmudist, a Rav, a Pesik, but do you know the Yerushalmi, right? You no, know? I don't spend any time learning it. So the Yerushalmi has actually become almost like the province of the ones that aren't us, right? And, and and if there's a strength about learning Talmud Babli, it almost causes, uh, we're not going to go do your Shalmi. Your Shalmi is sort of like what the Maskelem learned. But go ahead, what did you want to say, Yankee? To, to me, it's a blurring
1: question, right? No one learns a, a piece of Chumash without Rashi, right? And Rashi Rashi made the effort to write on all of Shas Babli, right? Okay. It, it, is, is that a statement that, that, that your Shalmi is secondary?
0: Okay, good point. All right, and it's, 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 it's a point that needs to be, again, <laughs> uh, so let me respond. Yes, Rashi knew just because the Goonim were extremely successful in what they accomplished. They entrenched Talmud Bavli as the essential learning. Let's talk about the Tesis and Kedushin, where Tesis says, I think in the name of the Rebbeinah, Tom, that they even dispense with what the Gemara says, which is Shlish Mikra, Shlish Mishnah, and Shlish Talmud, the Gemara says to spend a third of your day learning Mikra, a third of the day learning Halachos, and a third of the day learning the logic that the Gemara is based on. So Rabbeinu Tam says in Kedushan, how come we don't do that, right? (laughs) If that's the way, how come we don't learn that way? We don't learn that way. So Rabbeinu Tam says, well, we learn Gemara all day. And Gemara is, has all of that. And of course, that's what he says. Bavli, it's not just Babylonia. It comes from the word mevulvau, which has everything in it, right? Because if you do your daf properly, you're going to look up every Pusik. You're going to end up like, like in, learning brachas now. So you're going to know Yermia, You're going to know Tehillim. You're going to know Mishlei, All the psukim that are brought in today's dafin. you'll look up all those psukim. And that's sort of this cockeyed way of learning Tanakh, which is yeah, I know the psukim that are brought and the Gemara Davda and Hay and Buff, but don't tell me I don't learn Tanakh. I learn Tanakh because no, that's right, because the Gemara I learn Gemara and then from Gemara I then learn Tanakh. Right? So that was well, as long as you look up the whole pasuk because Gemara usually only brings that's a, right a phrase. And sometimes the printers don't bring the right part of the pasuk And sometimes they bring the wrong pasuk And Rashi finishes it for you. Right. So anyway, the point is to answer your question, Rashi is your best friend. So Rashi sees what everyone's doing. He knows the chinuch that he had. Do you expect him to write something on something that nobody else was learning? Right? He, he wants to help what people are doing. Rashi is not the Rambam. Rashi is not where everybody is doing Bavli. Of course he's going to write a parish on Bavli. However, Rashi, in the beginning of Brachas, actually the very first Daven Brachas, he quotes the Yerushalmi. It's the very first Rashi, where Rashi says, why do we say in early? do we say Shema early? R- Rashi didn't know Yerushalmi. Oh, uh, so, re- so he had it. Rashi had Yerushalmi. So part of it is because Rashi is not about coming to Pesach Sometimes if there's something glaring, and I think, Yerushalmi, you'll agree with me, if there's something glaring in the Gemara, which is against he'll somehow go out of his uh, comfort zone, or not his comfort zone, but what he usually does, and say, okay, uh, about halacha, this is what we usually do. But what he's words of old French that we don't even know at all anymore, right? But for the reader, that's what he was doing. I know error makes hard for you. Here, this is what that word means. Rashi, that's what Rashi is about. In fact, the raivad, who kept on hearing about the Tsarfati, the Tsarfati, the Tsarfati, kept on hearing about why is he writing a book to help little kids? So that was the attitude. So to answer your question, it's wrong to prove from Rashi's job that Rashi was not in, involved in wearing the Yashalmi. He's doing the job. Um, what's it, Part of the reason why, and again, without getting too far afield, because I want to speak about Rashi, uh, and, and, and you know who was the, the worst... Uh, people in, in pushing Rashi as an alternative to the side was Rashi's own grandchildren, Ravenu Tam who said, we found the parish of Ravenu Khananel. and Chananel actually quotes Shalmi consistently um, so when Rashi's grandchildren got a hold of it they jumped for joy for it and part of, remember, Tosfus doesn't really mean Tosfus to the Gemara Originally, Mentos was to Rashi, and it was a lot of criticism on Rashi, and saying, you know what, we like Rabbeinu Khanano's better, than Grandpa. We like Khanano, and, and part of why they like Khanano is because Khanano was, uh, and, and I really appreciate your, 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 your patience on this. I want to end this with what I think is one of the, a real great letter, um, from Rev Cooks, that's you know, many people have asked me, because, you know, I used to give Shurim and Rav Kook and stuff like that. So many people have asked me, you know, I just can't get through his language for Rav Kook. Gateway drug for Rav Cook is his letters. His letters to rabbis. And this was a letter to the premier historian, religious historian of his time, Rabbi Yitzhak Isaac Halevi. Now, again, it's just incredible. Again, without getting too much into things, he decides, he's about the difference between the Bavli and the Bavli and the Yishalmi, i just like to add something to you and this is what I'd like to add. He says that you have to realize that here it goes. Um, okay. You have to realize that there's two types of aspects of learning. Um, there's chachmas hagoda and Chochmas halocha. There's halacha and agadata. Um, Chochma, agarata comes seemingly from the heart and from thoughts and ideas and, and connections. And halacha has to do with more solid thinking and, 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 and empirical evidence and what really results in your actions. And the truth is that halacha and Agata come from two places. Halacha comes from Chachmah. Halacha comes, I was talking to Yankee about You can't have a, a, a greater uh, a Paragon to this than Rabbi Belsky Who understood Science and nature And, and he applied it to Halacha as well That's what Halacha what is about What is really going on? That's what Halacha is Whereas Agoda is connected to nevuah. Halacha is, is connected to Prophecy and being Uplifted and inspired And going into an ecstatic state um, so even though he knows that generally, like the Rambam says, that there's no place in halacha for a prophetic, poetic, ecstatic type of person, Rav Kook says that's not 100% true. There are some times that even being a halachist is all about the imaginative, mystical faculty that's developing within you. And he says, Rav Kuk brings Zariah from the, what it says in Pirkei Avos. It says zikeinim Leneviim, Right? <laughs> the zikeinim gave it over. Yeshua gave it to the zikeinim. The zikeinim gave it to the neviim. Now what does that mean, neviim? It should have been to the other rabbis. It must be that even acting as a rabbi as a posik, there's something about being a nevi that changes you, and that's important in halacha as well. Um, now Again, people who want to see Rav Cook himself as such a person uh, would, would, would not be incorrect right. So Let's One hold second, on. hold on So he says Even if you want to say That nevuah shouldn't affect halacha It definitely affects you The way you learn The way you think Even about a halachic subject So he says, in Eretz Yisrael That's where Navua was. There were prophets and people who were in in, in incredible states of of transcendent thoughts and connection to God. So therefore, it trickles down to the way everybody learns. So therefore, um, what happens is, is that you don't need to be long-winded. The same way the mystics look at each other, and when they talk to each other, they understand what they mean with just a couple of words. The same thing is true even the Talmudists. Right? So, um, and he brings a proof because there were even Talmudists in Bavel who couldn't get Ruach HaKodesh because they were in Bavel. Now, people who live in Eretz Yisrael, which is the place of prophecy, you know what's the best? Short. Pithy. True, they do understand ideas and they do it in a very broad, incredible, uh, inclusive way, but they don't need much words for that. All they need is one little phrase and that's the idea. And that's the way your shalmi works. Um, therefore, even to develop a halacha, they, they it's, I would say it in Yiddish, they hopped it a lot quicker, they understood it, the, the ideas came to them quicker. The people in Bavel, there were no prophets there. They were ployers, they were trying to figure it out and learn it in inductive And inductive and deductive reasoning. <laughs> Kitzer doesn't work for them, and therefore they needed to be much longer. In fact, he says, and again, Rav Kook says, we know uh, one of the places where um, uh, the Psukim talk about not arguing with Tereshav is, of course, the beginning of Parshat's Mishpatim. And there it says, the Zokin Mamre is Chayiv Misa for going against the Pesukim of the Sanhedrin. So the Gemara Darshans, because it says, Ki Yipolimim Davar lemishpat. So darshan, davar, that's if the Zuk In Mamre argues on a halacha. <clears throat> Let me explain it better. The Zuk In Mamre is a, is a Talmud chalacham who wants to overturn or wants to change or is basketing his own halacha, not like the other Rabbonim, not like the Sanhedrin. So the, the Babli says that the word davar means... It's got to be an area of halacha. We also learn it's got to be an area of kareis for. Because remember, the man who argues with Sanhedrin and continues the fight, we put him to death. We kill him. So it's got to reach a certain bar of seriousness. The Yershalmi on the same drasha says, zu agoda. Which means, if you argue, in other words, Agoda is as much part of the essence of Torah as Halacha is. In the Bavli's world, agoda, okay, you say like this, I say like that, some drush, we're working it out based on my mentality, based on the way, based on my history, based on my life. Where it comes to the Yoshalmi though, Yoshalmi says agoda and Halacha are part of one piece. Look. It's not that he feels there's seven rikiyas or six rikiyas. going to put him to death because he says there's seven or six. But Rav Cook explains it even better. Every even halachic aspect can be tied to its internal agoda aspect. Rav Cook is, is telling us that in the way the Yashalmi looked at the world, it wasn't two different areas. It wasn't like, oh, you know how to darshan, you're a makubal, oh, you're a paisik. The two were never separate. And you didn't even have to put on a different hat. Chabad, for example, the Tzema and others were great in both. Right? The Tzema was the ultimate posig of his time, but then he knew Chassidus in the biggest way. But his Lamedashir was a lot different than when he would darshan and Chassidus. He didn't allow the two, right? It's not like, oh, he can do this and that. The Yashalmi, this Rav cook is pushing, is actually a synthesis of both together. The, Again, it might not show itself on the page, but that's what the idea of 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 of, of Eretz Yisrael Torah is. That's what Rav Cook aspired himself. It's like, yeah, it, it's not. I don't have to put on a second hat. It's all part of the same hat, and it doesn't mean like a Polish a where, oh, come on, that's 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 that that's a, that's not what the pshat is. The pshat is influenced by the idea. Rav Cook actually says that he's hoping that if we can build up life in Eretz Yisrael, and we can build up that type of inner spirituality, that we can really rediscover the Yershalmi. Not Not just this alternate way of, oh, this is what it's about, but really it's the code. I mean, the Maskeelum got it right in a way, but it's actually the code for something deeper and mystical, which we haven't been successful at because we haven't been living in Eretz Yisrael to sort of like tap in. And he begs, Halevi, who was a big Macher, he was a very big Macher in the Aguda, who we know made the big Siyam, but Halevi was a big Macher in the Aguda in his time, and he's hoping that he's going to funnel some cash towards Rav that Rav Kook be able to start the type of yeshiva he wanted to. And he says, not in Yerushalayim, by the way, in Yafo, which was where all the Jews, all the new Jews were coming and living, and we can maybe have a yeshiva that could come back and really get into the Urshalmi, and really be able to learn it, and be able to disseminate it. So, okay, that's a little bit of an intro to the Urshalmi for you. Thanks for staying a COVID again. David, you had a long trip in Miami. I understand. Okay. Yeah, we should definitely, 100%. Okay. okay. That's a little bit of an intro to the Urshalmi for you. Thanks for staying a COVID I understand, okay, yeah, we should definitely, 100%, okay, hey, that's a little bit of an intro to your me for you, thanks for staying across.